dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. We're here with Source and we are here to talk about the end of the 2021 AFL season. We know finals are just around the corner, but today's show is a season over show where we speak a little bit about the All-Australian and we're going to speak about the bottom six sides from the 2021 season, Source. Hey guys, it's one of my uh, favourite shows, Pez, to do at the end of the year. You get to look at some of the reflections uh, that you had on at the start of the year, the predictions that you've done. You get to, you know, sit there and uh, wave your finger to all the people that you said, hey, I, uh, I said they were going to finish bottom four or top two or so on and so forth. But most of all, it's where you get to actually have a look at what went wrong for some teams or, you know, despite finishing, you know, in the bottom eight or, in, you know, the bottom bottom of the ladder, how well they actually did for, for what their list was produced. So it's, it's a really good way to reflect on uh, how the season went of 2021. Yeah, so we'll probably speak about... Uh some of the sides and where you know where they finished last year, how many wins they had, and if they've made an improvement, if they're on the up, if they're off the up uh, on the down, and things like that. Um, we had Finster tweet during the week. He just tweeted us a reminder of our uh, ladder predictions at the start of the season. A, an Essendon fan there, uh, just wanting to wanting to tell us and remind us uh, exactly what we got wrong. Yeah, I'm okay with it, Pez, because uh, three out of four I got right. So you know, I, you, you may have. Uh one that uh, you miss in terms of uh, teams that make it and don't make it. But, um, I mean, a, a lot of Essendon fans would have to say that they didn't think that their list was a, a top eight side uh, and that they hit form at the right time. And it'll be interesting because if they lose this week, then it all means nothing, Pez, because they, they extend their, their losing streak and um, they, they, they would have been better finishing outside the top eight to get a higher draft pick and, uh, I guess, less expectation for next year as well. Yeah, exactly right. So we we missed out on uh, some teams playing finals, and that's the that's the beauty of AFL footy. When uh, some teams, you know, they come up and they surprise and they they make a big jump and a big leap. And sometimes you can predict it and get it right. Sometimes you don't. And uh, if everyone got it right, then uh, there wouldn't be any shows like this. So uh, that's really good stuff. <laughs> exactly right, Pez. All right, uh, what do we want to do first, Pez? Do you want to get into the All Australian uh, selection that got announced this week? Well, I think so, because that's uh, always a big topic of conversation. And we've got the 40-man squad uh, that was chosen. And as always, there are snubs from the 40-man the squad. And when the team's announced, there are going to be snubs from the 22. Uh, and everyone's always got a different opinion. So it'll be interesting, it's interesting to see who uh, we agree on and who we bring up that uh, people might not have thought about yet as being a snub for the 40. Yeah, exactly right, Pez. It's one of those difficult things. I mean, you're trying to get 22 players uh, out of a, <laughs> a season where you've got over 400 players in, in the AFL. And, you know, a lot of uh, teams... It's interesting with this conversation because when you go to, like, uh, American sport, Pez, the winning record plays a big part, but not so much in the All-Australian. It's uh, one of those rarities where it's, I guess, it's purely a stats-based um, a selection for, for, for most people. They go off the stats and they go off the impact, but wins doesn't correlate in this one. So it's a really interesting philosophy. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, the, the Brownlow medal when you when you see the umpires, you know for a fact that they're looking at the stats after the game and seeing who got 30-plus disposals, who did this, who broke these records. Oh, they must be uh, are really, really good. But uh, in hindsight, you, you watch and you, you look at the impact of certain players and 
you look at the impact of a player like Toby Green, who is named in the squad, but uh, his last six games or whatever, averaging probably less than 15 disposals, but the impact that he had on those games uh, willed, willed their way to GWS making the finals. Yeah, it's funny. Funny you talk about uh, Toby Green there, Pez, because if you look at actually, you know, you're saying, uh, I guess stats-wise, his impact isn't always, um, it doesn't always shine through on the stat sheet. He actually um, does very well in a whole range of different categories. Like he's number one in goal assists, um, you know, so he's forward impact. He's number one in goal assists and number one in score involvements. So, and like that's a no, huge... number one in behinds as well. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's a huge stat, Pez. Because if you're looking at, you know, he may only get 15 touches a game. If every time he's getting the ball, he's involved in a score or he's giving a goal assist or he's having a shot on goal himself, that's huge, especially with, you know, the, the way that GWS played uh, the last couple of years where they've really struggled to get scores on the board. Oh, it's exactly right. And you can you look at all the players, like uh, who you got, your high handball getters. You've got your Tom Mitchells and your Jack McCrae's who's, you know, always getting the handballs, the one-twos and things like that. So... Um, you, you wonder about the impact of some of them, them players. I think uh, McRae, very well deserving in that. And I think Tom Mitchell is purely there just because of the amount of disposals. But as you probably know, Source, I don't think the impact that he has on games is, is as great that uh, deserves him being in a spot. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at midfielders because obviously you're looking at um, you know contested possessions, you're looking at effective disposals. And whilst he is, you know, second in the league for effective disposals, a, a lot of his um, his a lot of his possessions aren't uh, clearances. They're not they're not contested possessions. And, and you're right, he does just accumulate a lot of the pill. And a lot of the time, it is just those sort of outside handballs, getting the ball moving. And as I spoke at the start of it, he doesn't really correlate a lot of the time into success and impact and putting wins on the board. And that was very evident, uh, you know, in Hawthorne's first half of the season. Yeah, definitely, and and into last season when they only had five wins as well. So, uh, we'll we'll get into it here. We've got the the forty man All Australian. Do you want to go through uh, who was named, and then we'll we'll talk about who we think maybe should have been in there. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, we need to take uh, credit to the the teams that dominated this. You know, the Demons had um you know had seven nominees. Um, you know, which is is one less than Richmond last year when they had eight. Um, they have uh, who else did really well? So Brisbane Lions had five players. Um, and overall, 15 clubs had at least one representative in the 40-man squad. Uh, only three teams not to make it, Pez. Uh, you're North Melbourne, so they were unable to, to get someone in there. You had... Um, who else did you have? Sorry, I've lost my thought. Well, we, have, we had Richmond, who are very surprising after the dynasty that they've been. And you kind of think, you've missed finals, and have a look at that. You've got no players that actually uh, made the All-Australian 40, which is not even the, the final 22. It's the All-Australian 40, so that's absolutely amazing. But and you then can you've sort got of understand that a... one, though, Pez. You can understand that one because of the amount of injuries that they had throughout the year. So they they, they were number one team in injuries, so they didn't get a lot of players that had consistent runs at it and were able to accumulate, you know, 17 or more games because the the with all the, the 20, uh, 40 squad... They're playing seventeen or more games, so and, that, and that's huge when it comes down to not only consistent, but you know, being able to, to to compare them to other players around the league. Yeah, you look at that, and then you look at North Melbourne, bottom of the ladder, um, trying to improve in the second half of the season. They're not getting any side, and then you got Collingwood, who um, you know usually they've got a few. I think they would have had Taylor Adams in there if he wasn't injured uh, this year because he was really great uh, in that. You know, Brody Grundy had a down year. Scott Pendlebury's uh, getting on a little bit. And, not really having that impact. You've had uh, Darcy Moore who got injured, who was probably uh, a lock for the All-Australian centre-half back earlier in the year. So 
injuries play a big part and and things happen uh, throughout the year. And uh, Collingwood, with their worst finish in a long, long time, possibly their history, finishing 17th on the ladder, uh, getting no All-Australian, they've got nothing to look forward to until 2022. Yeah, I mean, I mean we're going to talk about snubs later, Pez, but the only one that sort of rings a, a mind there would probably be as you said, you know, uh, Grundry had a, a bad year. You had Pendlebury had a, a down year. Sidebottom uh, didn't have a great year. Uh, their forwards, Elliot and, and Dugowie, didn't have, you know, consistent years. The only probably name that stands out is maybe Jack Crisp. And we'll talk about snubs later, but he's the only one for me that you sort of sit there and go, you know what, he he, he had a really good season. He's probably AFL, if you're looking at stats-wise, pure stats. He's one of the number one defenders coming off that back line and into that midfield, um, you know, just for purely stats. Again, we, we're not measuring impact and stuff, but... You know, a case could probably be made for him. Yeah, well, for the listeners out there, the players that did make it, we might just go through club by club really quickly. So Adelaide, you had Rory Laird, who's been in All-Australian two times before, and you had Paul Seedman, who's never made um, a, a club before, ex-Collingwood player, uh, a, a long right boot that is is really accurate at times, and he's, he's kicked a few goals. So he's made the um, All-Australian 40 there for Adelaide. You've got Brisbane, uh, Charlie Cameron, a one-time All-Australian, Jared Lyons, Hugh McCluggage, and Daniel Rich all never been in the All-Australian side before. So those three players in the in the squad. And Dane Zorko, a one-time All-Australian as well from Brisbane. So Brisbane having five representatives, Pez, uh, really interesting because they did have a really slow start to the season. And if you look at the way the season finished, and we're not going to talk about round uh, 23... Just quickly, one of the best uh, round 23s that you'll see in a long time. Um, you know, we didn't, you know, they only just scraped into the top four. And when you, you normally, when you have a team dominate the, the All Australian, you know, they, they have the second most amount of players, you expect them to be top four, probably dominating for most of the year. So it, it's a great effort from, from Brisbane. And it's, you know, showing that they'll be a force in September as well. Oh, they'll be a, a dangerous side. And especially getting that double chance uh, with the All Australian caliber players that they do have, um, you've got that there. We'll move on. We'll just go alphabetical order here, Source. We've got Carlton. Now, this is a really interesting one for me. They've got three players that made it. They've got Harry McKay, who's won the Coleman medal with 58 goals. You've got Sam Walsh, who's had uh, the best, most improved season out of anyone uh, in the league and become Carlton's number one player. And you've got Jacob Wiedering, uh, a fullback down there that's uh, never, all three, never previously been All-Australian. But you know how you used to talk in the old days about the spine? Mm-hmm. You've got your centre forward up there. You've got your, your number one midfielder and then you, you finishes with goal kicking and then you've got your, um, you know, your centre-half back, full-back type player in Jacob Wiedering, three possible All-Australians and your club had that poor of a season. Yeah, and especially when you look at those three names and they're genuine contenders for the, for the twenty two pairs. Like you know, you got your Coleman medalist and Jacob Wiedering, one of the one of the best sort of backmen that he's had, you know, numbers wise. And Sam Walsh, as you said, a massive improver. And as Source said at the start of the year, Pez, he would make a, an All Australian uh, top forty. That's what's really really disappointing for Carlton on the year that they've had because it's the other pieces around. It's those older recruits. It's some of those players that are meant to make the jump. And as you said, you've got a massive spine there in, you know, three key position players. You should be doing a lot better than, than finishing 14th. Yeah, well, 13th. Give them a little bit of credit source no, with eight uh, wins. No, and got, got, rid of the, got rid of one for them. <laughs> eight, eight wins and 14 losses. But you, you say those three names are contenders for the 22. Usually the common medalist is a lock for the full forward position. So give that to Harry McKay. And Sam Walsh is definitely making that midfield. So at least two of them are definitely getting in that 22. Um, Collingwood, as we've already spoken about, don't have to speak about them. Um, they don't have any players in the 40. You move on to Essen and the surprise packet, who um, a young side were fast improving and actually have come in to make 
uh, the final eight. So they play, you know, the Bulldogs on Sunday on this show. We're not speaking about the finals yet. That'll be our, our show later in the week, Source. But we've got Zach Merritt, who's been a one-time All-Australian. Jake Stringer, who's been a one-time All-Australian six years ago. And you've also got Darcy Parrish, who had, you know, another outstanding year, similar to Sam Walsh, where he's just come up and, you know, dominated with a lot of three-votes games he'll be getting, but he's never been All-Australian before either. Yeah, Darcy Parrish, definitely one of those, um, I guess, surprise for, for you, your uh, general football lover, Pez. But he had an amazing season. He ranked top 20 in some major major categories across the league. You know, top 20 in clearances per game. He was uh, number three in clearances total for, for the year. 16th in stoppage clearances across the year, uh, 11th in effective disposal, and top 20 in goal assist as well. So he was just a real force across not just getting the pillars we spoke about, Tom Tom Mitchell. He was able to make an impact, and you know he was a big part of um, not only winning three uh, three medals, yeah. but a, a lot in their winning success outside of, the, outside yeah, of those um, medal games, though, because he definitely lost those games. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they lost the games and got the medals, but uh, in, in other ones, he had a big impact. It was shown during the year that he... Uh, was able to be tagged out of a few games as well. Um, so still developing and when he can, you know, do do the things that the, the, all the great midfielders do and, uh, you know, shake the tag, go forward, kick goals, do things like that, then he'll continue to flourish there. Um, and we get to watch him in September as well, which is really exciting. Um, Fremantle we move to, you've got uh, David Mundy, who's been there before, one-time All-Australian, and Sean Darcy, who had a stellar year um, the Ruckman over at Fremantle and, you know, it was went right down to the wire. If they beat St Kilda on the weekend, they would have been in with a, a, a little bit of a chance if Essendon would have lost to Collingwood, but they weren't able to do it. And uh, Sean Darcy had a terrific season as the number one Ruck over there. Yeah, and a pure Ruckman too, Pez. You know, we've seen in the last couple of years, Max Gorn as a pure Ruckman and this year he's developed into a, a bit of a, that sort of that defender and, you know, obviously leaked forward a little bit. You saw, um, you know, the, the Collingwood bloke, Brody Grundy, he, he, you know, became into sort of that elite midfield. But as a standalone Ruckman that would, that attended, like, I think it was the most stoppages around the ground. So not just a Ruckman, but a mobile Ruckman as well, who literally just put the ball on a platter for, you know, his midfield and was a big part of them running, um, you know, clearing up the, the ladder and, and just missing out on finals. And what, what a story David Mundy is, Piers. At age 34, making his second All-Australian um, and, you know, leading the club to, to the most games, leading them, you know, into a final series, disappointing on that loss. But it's a huge year for, from, from the old man time. Yeah, and he had to really stand up because they had injuries to, you know, their stellar players and Nathan Fife and Michael Walters. So he stood up. Um, don't give him that All-Australian cap just yet because he's using in the, in the squad of 40 and I'm not sure he'll make it to the 22. No, but <laughs> but um, it's, it's good enough to, to get in the top 40, which is uh, a great achievement in itself. Move on to the Geelong Cats. You've got Tom Hawkins, a three-time All-Australian, who you know had another really strong year and was really important in games. And, and one of your most important players who is injured at the moment, but Tom Stewart, a two-time All-Australian, uh, looking for his third-time All-Australian. And I'm pretty sure he will get... Uh, his third cap this year with the stellar season that he had, only missing with injury uh, in the last couple of rounds. Yeah, the last couple of games, pairs, and both of those, uh, you know, two of the three uh, games that he missed uh, resulted in losses. So that, that just shows you the impact that this guy has. You, you watch, he's one of those players where you actually watch the game and you're like, oh my God, he is, he is absolutely killing us. And it's through intercept marks, it's through, you know, anchoring that offense, but... You know, Ge- Geelong always seem to have representatives. Um, I, mean, I think Cameron Guthrie's a little bit stuff- stiff here, Pez. Um, but 
Tom Stewart, he'll definitely get a, a lock in there. And and uh, Tom Hawkins, I think he um, he probably will get another cap as well, Pez. You know, we know that he likes to share the pill. He kicked, uh, I think it was 40-something goals for the year. And I think he finished uh, top three in, in goal assist as well. So a scoring force. And especially with that potent forward line, you know, able to, to continue that sort of um, dominance, I guess, as a forward line with, with Jeremy Cameron coming in. Yeah, and you, you think about all the other uh, big names. You said Cameron Guthrie, who... Missed a little bit of football, but still, I think, could have made the 40 as well. So I agree with you there. you got Dangerfield, who was out with suspension and injury throughout the year, so he's got no chance. And one player that definitely would have made it if he played enough games would have been Jeremy Cameron because he's had a stellar season for Geelong, but, you know, didn't play enough games to be able to get in there. Yeah, I mean, disappointing for, for him and the Cats that he couldn't get onto the park more, but... You know, as long as he's fit for finals, and, and that was very clear during the week, Pez, uh, when you're listening to to Scott talk about the what they're looking for. There, it's all about September, and and you know, hopefully, that is, uh, you know, he misses this year, but he'll make it next year when Geelong uh, win back to back premierships at the end of next year. Oh, geez, uh, early call, <laughs> early call. Speaking about back to back premierships, I don't know if this is the the best kind of thing to go on to, but talk about the Gold Coast Suns. Um, one player, never previously all Australian, took Miller and. This one was an interesting one for mine. He broke the record for most 30-plus disposal games, which uh, once he did did that, he was, you know, a shoo-in for the for the top 40. I think in the past, Tukmiller has been really hot and cold. So he gets a lot of the pill some games. He doesn't get any of the pill the other games. But his impact, I think, was very minor in previous years. This year, when he's actually been getting the pill, he's actually been contributing to score, score assists. He's been kicking goals himself. He's actually had a big impact for, for that Gold Coast side in terms of being in some games where you thought they might have been blown away. And I know they were blown away in a lot of games um, towards the end there, but they were in games in certain quarters and Took Miller was a big part of that. Yeah, and it's not only what he does, um, you know, when he's got the uh, got the pill for Pez. He ranked um, fourth in tackles, averaging seven per game which is huge. So not only is he getting the pill, he's putting his body on the line, he's getting in there, and he's turning a lot of that time into inside 50s. You look at how poor Gold Coast were across the year, and he ranked 37th in inside 50s across the league. And that's that's really big from a key midfielder, and it's really important, as um, you know, we sort of touched on in the pre-show, pairs that they went half the year without without a ruckman, or three quarters of a year without a, without a dominant ruckman. So he's in there doing the hard work, and really realistically, it was a dominant performance from Gold Coast, much that we've seen previously from their one uh, one trick ponies in in Gary Ablett, and that's what it sort of echoes. Basically, you have to concede when you're playing Gold Coast. Took Miller's going to get a heap of the ball. He's going to damage us. We need to make sure that we stop everyone else and just let him do his mm. thing. Yeah, and the, you mentioned the big injury there, and that was Jared Witts. And when he went down, it was pretty much Gold Coast season over because they were very competitive at the start of the year. Um, we move on to the other expansion club in the GWS Giants. We spoke about Toby Green. He's been a one-time All-Australian, and uh, he's in there again. He did miss uh, a few games throughout the year, which really cost GWS in, in those games. But when he came in, He'll be the new captain into the new season and it'll be interesting to see how he goes in that, what do they call it, the, the Battle of the Bridge or whatever, and it'll be in an elimination <laughs> final, which will be uh, absolutely fantastic this weekend. And Jacob Hopper, who had a really consistent season uh, in that GWS Giants midfield as well. Yeah, a really, really consistent uh, season, Pez. And he, and he played, you know, 20-something games for them as well. And that was the big problem with uh, GWS's midfield this year. 
is that they, they, they couldn't get their regular team on the park. And he was one of the big reasons that they were still staying relevant midway through the season and they made that late charge. Um, it, you know, it's, it, it's really good for him. I don't know if he'll make the, the top 22 pairs, but it's good recognition for, for his hard work that he's been doing there. I think Toby Green's a lock. I think, you know, number one in, in goal assist, he's, he's damaging. His, you know, stats probably in terms of possessions don't, don't line up, but, you know, he's top 10 in so many um, in forward categories. that he's just... Number one in I mean, behinds for the competition source. Okay. Well, number one sorry, player in behinds. That's, that's, that's a big one. <laughs> My apologies. But I think he's a lock. And, um, you know, I think it'll, he'll be a real um, he'll be a real, for, real force if they are to go far in September, as we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, probably the most valuable player in the comp for, oh, for his team when you, when you speak about those three words as, as what they mean, most valuable player. Um, Hawthorne is next. Tom Mitchell, the only one being named uh, two-time All-Australian already in 17 and 18. And we've spoken about his impact. And uh, I'm thinking, I'm understanding why uh, Sydney didn't didn't play him more regularly when he was on their list. Yeah, I mean, look, we you have to congratulate him on, on making the you know the effort. He he does lead the category. He does lead the the league in, in possessions. You know, he does sort of get a lot of the pill. He is quite efficient when he does get it. But I definitely understand the same thing, Pez, um, because, you know, you need that to result in impact. And I don't want to sit here and badmouth someone who has made, you know, one of the top 40 players in the league. But it's really hard to when you look at some of these numbers, Pez, because, you know, he averages, what, 36, 37 a game. And when they have big wins and they have, you know, really impactful wins, he doesn't generally play a big part. Like, you'll be, he's one of those players where you look at the stats and you're like, oh, shit, he's got, he's got uh, 20 in the first quarter. I didn't even really notice him. Because he sort of just gets it and he gives it off to other people that make impact. And maybe it's because he's not so flashy and he's just a workman. But, yeah, it's 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 something that you can understand why that's, Sydney uh, didn't play him as much. That's one thing about him is, is the effort and the, the hard running that he does, you know, to get to all those contests and to be able to uh, get the pill out. So it is a credit to him. Um, I don't see him making the, the 22, but uh, stranger things have happened before. You head to Melbourne and this is where, you know, they've got the most players at all uh, from all they won the uh, after the siren in their game they actually got mm. and stole top spot on the ladder on the weekend so uh, Bailey Fritch has never been all Australian before he was named Jake Lever Stephen May uh, and Christian Salem so all of those players never been named all Australian before uh, Max Gorn is a what is he a four-time all Australian already so he's probably going to get uh, his fifth You've got Clayton Oliver, who's a one-time All-Australian, and Petrarca, who's a one-time All-Australian. So Petrarca's definitely in that 22, and there'd be an argument for Oliver as well. Yeah, I think uh, Petrarca's definitely in there, and I think you could make an argument for for Oliver being there as well because them two have been of extremely dominant force pairs. But I think the, the most impressive inclusion for this is you knew that Max Gorn, while Melbourne finishing top, we were going to make the you know he was going to make the the, the top forty list. This is probably one of his best and most impactful um, seasons. Only not just as a dominant uh, ruckman pairs because we've seen his impact across the ground. You know him going forward. You know leading leading some of the the top twenty in intercept marks. He's really putting his um, value across the ground and not just getting forty hitouts a game and thirty hitouts a game. And you know I know a couple last couple of years you've been you know really sort of against Max Gorn as the as the number you know the number one ruckman obviously your your argument has been about two ruckman but him being one of the the dominant ruckmans in the all australian and I, I think you have to tip your hat this year to to the effort that he's put out and it's probably one of his best seasons oh 100% and uh he can, he can have it this year but as long as he there's only one ruckman because uh, <laughs> I don't want two ruckmen in there because uh it just takes away another spot but um the most interesting thing for me about those names there 
You've got Stephen May and Jake Lever, who were big recruits to the club, and they were being badmouthed when uh, Melbourne weren't travelling so well. And they've turned it around a really strong defence, which is why Melbourne, you know, are at the top of the ladder where they are at the moment. So um, those two aren't failures and uh, have been really big parts. And Stephen May and Jake Lever, um, possible All-Australians this year, with Christian Salem running off the halfback. That says a lot about your defence. Yeah, your man. Your man, Christian Salem, Pez. No, there we go. We can't uh, get everything right, but sometimes <laughs> you do get it right. Uh, North Melbourne is the next club, and they don't have any, probably um, none deserving. One of the youngest lists in the league and most inexperienced lists in the league as well. So they're still developing. Hopefully they can get some some good recruits. Uh, Taron Thomas looks like he's you know going well. Jaden Stevenson, if he can get some more consistency uh, within his game, looks like he can uh, continue to go ahead as, as well. So... Positive signs for the future for North Melbourne. They can't go any lower. No, they can't, Pez. Uh, only up from here, fingers crossed, <laughs> unless they have less wins than last year. But, you know, we were going to talk about them a little bit later in the show, but they had a, an improving season. And it's no surprise that they didn't have any All-Australians nominated this year, Pez. No, definitely not. Uh, Port Adelaide, on the other hand, uh, were able to finish second and get a home final, um, which is really good, with three previously, um, no previous All-Australians. So, Alia Alia. Um, big intercept marker who doesn't play in a man usually. Uh, he, he gets named there. Carl Amon, who was uh, kind of took over from Zach Butters in the middle of the year source, where he um, was their player that they wanted to get the ball in his hands, and he was their link-up player in, in the middle of the 50s. And then Ollie Wines, who had an absolute stellar season and uh, just uh, showed his worth. Um, and I think there might be a typo here as well, because uh, I don't see Travis Boak's name. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Before we get on to Travis Bokepez, like Ollie Wines had a sneaky good season. Like it was, it was uh, he had one of those seasons that sort of went totally under uh, under the radar because of how poor Port Adelaide were doing. And then towards the end of the year, when they surged forward, he came into his name in contention. There's there's talks about him in a couple of uh, different uh, one of those uh, Brownlow polling predictors that he's actually winning the Brownlow. And he had a sneaky good year. Top ten in um, you know inside fifties. He has top ten in um, clearances. Top ten in stoppages around the ground. He made a definite impact. Number four in contested possessions across the ground. A sneaky good yep. season. And, you know, it's one of those uh, out-of-Victoria effects, Pez, that because they're out-of-Victoria, and this is Travis Coke's, uh, Travis Coke, uh, Travis Coke, Travis Boke's problem, was that they're not in uh, they're not in Victoria and they're not getting talked about for, for what they're worth. Uh, he's here. Uh, absolute style. If he was in Victoria, there would be massive talks about him and the Brownlow medal because it's not just the impact of the contested possessions. These type of players... Sometimes they'll get like 15 disposals a game and like they'll have a decent game. But he's getting consistent 30 disposals a game where 21, 22 of them are contested and they're a clearance or they're an inside 50. They're, they're score assists. So uh, really, really good there. Aaliyah Aaliyah ha- had a good season. Um, if you're looking for an inset marker there, you're probably going to Tom Stewart over Aaliyah Aaliyah. So um, might not make the final 22, but um, here's a steal from Sydney still here and an absolutely amazing season for them and um, you know had a few matchups that he didn't like throughout the year um, but other matchups where clubs didn't know what to do against him and had you know a big impact in those games and those wins so uh, and then we spoke about Amon and he, his link up play in the middle of that ground so um, I, I still am looking for Travis Boke's name there but it's, it's still not coming up so is he a snub? He's uh, easily the you know the biggest snubber of the of the um the year pairs and and if you're going to make one argument for them 
He's one of those snubs that actually could make the top 20, the actual 22 list. He had an incredible year. Some would say probably not as good as his year last year, but you think of last year, he's gone from, he was vice-captain of this squad last year. He averaged over 25, uh, 25 a game and six clearances. This year, he's averaging 27 and over six um, clearances per game. It's unbelievable that, probably because he came from nowhere last year. Came from nowhere, you know, he got, he got his third All-Australian cap. And then this year, we're holding him up as a, as a higher expectation. And he's performed the exact same way, which is really disappointing for him. Not for him, sorry. It's disappointing us as a media, the, the outlets, so that's how they're viewing it. No, don't blame me, because I would have had him in, um, <laughs> it's all in, in there. He's, he's, he's ready to go and ready to get that cup. But um, hopefully, you know, it puts a little bit of fire in his belly and he can show us in uh, finals footy how good is that finals footy is coming, oh. that um, he'll be able to perform, perform big. Because he's been going up and... Uh, been involved in a lot of goals and a lot of scores as well, which is a big thing for the midfielders. Um, usually we'd spend uh, an hour on the Richmond All-Australian selections, but they don't have any this year So uh, and finished outside the eight. So uh, see you later, Richmond. Don't have to speak about you. Yeah, we sort of spoke about that uh, earlier in the show, Pez, that they had a lot of injuries and, you know, it, it is surprising not to see a Richmond name there with some of those big names like, you know, Dusty Martin, Rerolt. You've got... Um, you got the the little meatball. There's a range of players that could have definitely made it, but um, they just went on the on the park for for consistently across the year. No, one is probably Jaden Short, who's you know mm. one of the most accurate kicks in in the league. But um, there's already those type of players in there, type of thing, and uh, maybe didn't have the biggest impact. So you move to St Kilda, and you've just got one man there, the captain Jack Steele. He was a 2020 All-Australian uh, last year, so he's going for his, his second. He was easily the Saints' best player and will win their best and fairest, most consistent performer and added goal-kicking uh, to his repertoire this season. Yeah, had an unbelievable season, Pez. Top 10 in clearances, top five in stoppages around the ground. As you said, he you know he started to, to kick some goals. He had, you know... Top twenty in inside fifties and number two in tackles, Pez. And, and you know he, he's known for his hardness and that uh, that approach on the pill. But he was an out and out star this year, and and I actually think that he had a, a you know a much much better year this year than last year. And he's going to be really really tough to, to make that side, Pez. It's going to be interesting because he is among fighting against a, a you know a spot where I think wins start to matter a little bit. Oh, he made the interchange last year, and uh, uh, personally, I am a St Kilda support. I don't think he makes the All Australian side this year. Um, with his performance there, I think, uh, you know, he, uh, I don't even know what to say. He just doesn't make it against all these other midfielders there. There's no space for him. Yeah, there's no space for him, which is unfortunate because, as, as we both said, you know, he had a better year than he did last year. But you look at some of the other names in the years around him, yeah, they just didn't translate to wins. Yeah, well, we got Sydney who had a, had a big uh, transformation finishing 16th last year. And, and they come up and they, they finish, well, they finished sixth where they played JWS this week. Uh, Lance Franklin, an eight-time All-Australian, uh, going for his ninth there. Callum Mills and Tom Papley have been named in the 40 squad, never been an All-Australian before. And Luke Parker, who was an All-Australian five years ago, uh, he gets another crack at it. Uh, he had a really consistent season in that midfield there, Luke Parker, um, each week. Uh, Callum Mills off the back line there. And then Tom, Tom Papley, he's always up and about and uh, has big impacts on games. So not a lot of disposals, but a massive impact. Sydney's were a really interesting one, Pez. I could see them getting three of those four players or not getting any players. Like they're, they're, It's a really interesting one. They're, they had a they had a pretty consistent year. 
they had a lot of good players. They didn't have any standout players, you know. And I think early on in the year they surprised a lot of people. I think maybe Lance Franklin might make it just on the uh, nine time, and you know the, he has the record and he's going to go for his thousands. He had a good year. Didn't play a lot of games. He he played under seventeen games, which which is rare. Um, so he's the only player nearly, that nearly three goals a game. Yeah, nearly like three it, goals. extremely great averages, Pez, but. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have no no players make it, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they had three players or four players make it. It's they're really hard to, to sort of gauge their their success. And as you said, you know we spoke earlier about having key position players. They got two forwards, they got a backman, you got a midfielder as well. The spine yeah, is and full. It, it shows you, um, and there you go. But Luke Parker, um, a stellar season from him in that in that Sydney midfield, who was a winning midfield in the winning end midfield. when finishing sixth as well. Uh, West Coast, 2000, uh, Nat Nui. He was All-Australian in 2012 and 2020. Uh, he's in the 40 squad uh, at the moment. I know he had a big game. I think it was the last round or the second last round. Um, but for mine, Nick Nat Nui, uh, one of the best tap ruckmen I've seen, but he's not on the field for long enough and he doesn't have as big an impact as he should be having because – he had 21 disposals, I think it was, in the last round, and 20 of those were contested. Yeah, he, he's a really interesting one, Pez, because you look at him in, on the season that he has, and you sort of sit there and go, oh, yeah, like he's a, he's a great tapman, tap ruckman. He gets the clearances. Um, but when you look at the stats, Pez, they actually they really surprise me. He's number four for, for clearances total of for the whole year. He's number five for clearances per game. He's number two for stoppage clearances. So he's not just a tap ruck, tap, oh my goodness, Pez, a tap ruckman. He's actually getting the pill himself, but it's what he's doing with the pill after. And as you said, you know, I think that you know the tweet that came out last year about his uh, his fitness around the ground and getting to some of those other contests. He spends all his effort winning the ball out of the ruck, and it affects the rest of his his play across the field. Yeah, well, there was that one stage where he was uh, had a mark drought as well last season when he, he wasn't going around the ground and getting the pill, but. Um, his clearance work and inside there is amazing. You know, if, you, if you're going to choose a ruckman for your tap ruckman and your clearance working and the inside, you choose a Nick Nat Nui. Um, but you're not getting the high percentage of game time. You're not getting the fitness. You're not getting um, that defensive play around the ground. And you're, you're not getting the, the big marks up forward and going back and kicking goals. He'll kick goals out of the middle and out of the clearance and he mm-hmm. might run past two or three guys. Um, but he's not doing that consistently enough um, to get another cap. No, I totally agree, Pez. Uh, and he's one of those players, as you said, you look at the stats and, and they blow you away. But then when you actually watch him play and you look at the impact compared to, you know, Sean Darcy and uh, Max Gorn, and, and there's no chance that he's making it this year. No, and then we speak about the Western Bulldogs. And won't we have something to say about the Western Bulldogs uh, <laughs> this week in our show? Uh, absolutely blowing a top four opportunity. So they finished fifth and uh, continue to go from there. So they've got Marcus Bonson Pelly a three-time All-Australian, might as well say a four-time All-Australian right now because he's in that 22. You've got Bailey Dale, who was, who's big off the half-back line, and they trusted the ball in his hands. And Jack McRae, uh, two-time All-Australian, going for three in a row, uh, Jack McRae, uh, some of the most disposable, second-most disposals uh, in the competition. And they like to get him the ball to kick it inside 50 as well. So even though he handballs a lot, he does have a big impact and he's got a good left boot. 
a huge impact piece. This was an unbelievable year from Jack McRae. And, you know, a lot of people, they talk about Bont and his impact and he breaks those games open. But his, his, this, his year this year, Jack McRae, was unbelievable. You know, he talked about him leading, you know, possession getters and, and clearances. But not only that, he ranked 13th in inside 50s pairs and 11th in score involvements as well. That's exactly what you want from your midfield. And that's what we were talking earlier about Tom Mitchell, is you want someone that is not only getting the ball, but is involved in the ball going forward. He's involved in all your score involvements. You know, he, he ranks top 40 in, in tackles. Like, he does a little bit of everything. And as you said, he sneaks forward and seems to pop a goal every every single week. Oh, and yeah, it's uh, it's pretty unbelievable. I think uh, both of those players will make it. Jack McRae is a good winger. Put him out on the left wing there and, and let him go to work. And then uh, Bontipalli from that midfield. Um, Bailey Dale, he's, he's, he's a decent shot as well uh, with the early early form that the Western Bulldogs had. Uh, they... They did lose some unlosable games at the the end of that year there uh, to go from there. And they've got a big final against Essendon because uh, a lot of supporters are, are really uh, hanging off the Western Bulldogs to keep that Essendon 6,000-plus days of not winning a final streak alive. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough uh, one for us this week, Pez Barrigan, for that game. Because uh, <laughs> when I, I tell you what, when the, we're going to talk about it a little bit on the next show. Make sure you tune in uh, for that one coming out Friday. But uh, I was actually cheering so hard for, for Brisbane to, to win that game, to kick Western Bulldogs out. And then I'm like, well, I don't know who to cheer for next week. <laughs> like, <laughs> so really tough, Pez. But, uh, you know, a great season for Western Bulldogs. It's a shame that, you know, if they don't go far in September, it's going to be remembered for the, for the choke job they had the last three rounds yeah um yeah definitely uh now in in speaking of snubs we've i've probably named the the big snubs that that i thought source and you probably you probably have as well so travis boke we both agree uh should be in that squad of 40 and and then you've got um cam guthrie who i think should also be in that uh squad of 40 but i think they've got you know a lot of the players uh correct this season yeah, I mean, the only other two that we sort of mentioned in, in the show previous, Pez, were, was Libba. Libba had a really good year. You know, he fell off towards the end, but so did every other Western Bulldogs uh, player in that, in that squad. You know, he finished second in, in, you know, in clearances, ninth in contestant possessions. And the other one that you could make an argument for, but, you know, again, it fits perfectly into the team that we spoke about, is Hickey. You know, Tom Hickey from Sydney, that, you know, he could either make that squad or none of those could make him because he was one of those players that had... An increasingly, um, you know, an unbelievable year, and probably if you look at stats wise and impact, was the second best ruckman across the across the year. But you know, does that mean that he's going to get a top forty spot? Is he a snub? I think you know, Max Gorn, Sean Darcy, Nick Natanui all had better seasons than him. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Um, what what is he? The fourth best ruckman in a year, and you can't have four nah. uh, ruckmen in that in that forty squad there. So it'll be interesting to see can't which can't players actually. Yeah, interesting to see which players get snubbed um, into the twenty-two uh, later on in the in the final series here. But uh, yeah, that's uh, so. Congratulations to all the players that that made the All Australian, including Tom Mitchell, even though we uh, spoke like he didn't make it. <laughs> um, but no, nah, it's a really really good achievement, and uh, twenty-two of them will be adding a stellar little milestone onto their career stats. Yeah, an amazing milestone, Pez, and especially in a year like this year, Pez, where it was one of the most open finals, you know, one of the most open years in terms of competitive football, and every week seems like the, the games were, were a lot closer, and they needed to bring their best effort, and it's very rare that we sit here and go, you know what, there's there's no one in that squad that we sit there and go shouldn't be in there. 
Every other year, you're sort of like, oh, I can't believe he made it or I can't believe this person made it. You could make an argument for all 40 of those players on the years that they had, if not compared to other people across the league. And just say on their own merit and what they've done, they could definitely make that squad. Oh, 100%. So there's the All-Australian. I'm sure we'll speak about it when the 22 are named and, and captain looking at uh, midfielders in, in really strange positions in <laughs> back pockets and forward pockets and things like that. Um, but we will move on to another part of our show where uh, season over or hashtag season over source where um, we might play the intro and then we'll explain how we do it. Yes, Pez. Season over. What we do, it's pretty simple, Pez. There are 10 teams that the season is over. We'll go through six tonight, uh, starting from the bottom in the 18th, work our way up, and each team will give a hashtag that sort of sums up their season or sums up a moment of the season or maybe even sums up where they're going towards in the future. I know the last couple of years you've had uh, um, <laughs> North Melbourne moving to Tassie, Pez, and uh, with the announcement today that there is a succession plan for Tasmania. In three more years, they'll actually uh, may have a decision. Not, not whether they're going to have a team a lot. There'll be a decision in three more years whether oh. it is actually going to be uh, that happening, Pez. So I wonder if that adjusts your hashtag. <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. It definitely <laughs> hasn't. So um, as, as we said, we'll speak about six teams here. Next week, we'll speak about the next six teams, which will include the, the rest of the um, bottom 10 and the two teams that get knocked out in finals. And then after that, we've got um, a couple of teams to do after that. So we will give a, a hashtag and talk about their season uh, a little bit from there. So we start at the bottom of the letter source. We start with North Melbourne. So they had four wins. They had a draw as well in there. They had 17 losses source with a percentage of uh, 70.27. So the worst percentage in the league uh, with a, a couple of big losses uh, throughout that. So only the four wins, they were, you know, the favourite from before the year for the wooden spoon. Um, the question is for North Melbourne fans, have they improved? I mean, in terms of the, the wins, Pez, they had three wins last year uh, in 17 games and then they had four this year with 22. So, I mean, they've they've won one more. They also had a draw in there as well, Pez. So, I mean, I, I think improvement, uh, you know, I think they've definitely improved. And, you know, my hashtag for them is it's been a hashtag noble effort. You know, I think that the coaching staff that they've uh, implemented this year and the way that they've implemented a game plan and stuck with, they, they haven't worked, worried about results. They haven't worried about, you know, um, playing their senior players. They're, they've literally gone with a proper developmental plan that we were calling for, what, four years ago, Pez? Um, and they're stuck to it. And what you're seeing is you're seeing gradual improvement, they, you know, I think it was 16 of their 22 lines this year. They actually, they covered. So that's a, that's a signs of an, an improving side. Well, 100%. And I like that. Uh, noble of you to, to use uh, noble in that hashtag there. <laughs> but I don't know how you knew about my hashtag. Because my hashtag is hashtag Tasmania special. The, the North Melbourne uh, Tasmania, Tasmania special site. The one thing you are, Pez, is consistent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not, not the um, same for a lot of the other teams in the bottom eight, but you are definitely consistent. I, I couldn't go past uh, just putting that little little bit out there. They, you know, they might play better footy down there and uh, maybe they should consider moving down there instead of um, to the sunny Gold Coast uh, where they got offered 10 years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think you know the next couple of years they're on the up. Whether they're in Tasmania, or they're in North Melbourne, or if they get shipped off somewhere else to New Zealand or something. But you know, they had twelve players this year under twenty three play fifteen or more games, which is huge. They also had a you know a young group of uh, sort of almost sort of bona fide stars. If you were just watching that game and you're looking at their effort, they're not stars across the league yet. But it's a watch this space, Pez. You know, Jai Simkin, Luke Davis, Uniaki, Taron Thomas, Nick Larkey. And, you know, at times throughout the year, Zerha really, you know, showed that he's got a lot of potential moving forward. And they're going to hit the draft this year. They're going to get the number two pick, you know, the, the bloke from Adelaide, unless they do a deal with Adelaide. And they're going to be building stronger. And he's apparently ready-made. So, you know, up, up for them next year. I think the only place to go is up. Yep, that's it. And <laughs> if they can get uh, five wins next year, it'll be another improvement and they can uh, continue maybe with another wooden spoon. We'll see. <laughs> uh, we'll go to the 17th side, which is uh, the Collingwood Magpies. And Collingwood fans would be really disappointed with this season. Uh, we had Bucks who got sacked or, if you want to call it, um, you know, s- stood down himself, which he didn't. He got sacked. Um, they had six wins, 16 losses, a percentage of 85.64. So, a uh, percentage that's a lot more competitive than the 70% there. So they had nine wins last season uh, and a draw. They finished eighth, but this season down to six wins and 17th on the ladder, which is a really, really low position for, for Collingwood. I mean, I think, Pez, this one here, I'm just going to say it's hashtag we called it because it all started with their off-season debacle. And not just off-season pairs, they're off-field as well. I mean, this year they saw the you know the step down of um, Nathan Buckley. He was having you know lost his job halfway through the season. Yeah, the departures of Adam Trelaw in a ridiculous fashion and totally mismanaged across a range of different things. And Tom Phillips that really left a big hole in their midfield, all because they you know they managed their list poorly. You also had Eddie Maguire replaced halfway through the year after he said he was going to stay and retire at the end of the year, but the pressure from you know the 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 allegations of the racist culture that Collingwood was happening, you know the the do better report, he was stood down as well. So it, it all for me, it was an all a result and an all of a you know from their their off season uh, management. Yep, and uh, my hashtag there hashtag wobblewood because uh, <laughs> they wobbled they wobbled all the way down to seventeenth uh, position on the ladder there, and uh, you know what I, I quite enjoyed Collingwood season. I I enjoyed watching them play footy and uh, lose a lot of games. Um, by a lot and uh, yeah it was just really enjoyable we had Robert Harvey come in and, and try and coach them in a defense, defensive mindset which didn't really work it looked better when they you know went full out attack towards the end of the season but they need to uh, get somebody in there that's either going to you know start a, start a rebuild use the court do whatever they need to do and just turn over that list and, and kind of really start again. When you go to the bottom, that's what you kind of have to do. And uh, they need to try and build back up um, to play finals in, in three or four years. Yeah, and they did that, Pez. I mean, they debuted nine players this year, equal most in the competition, you know, next to Adelaide. They had a couple of first-round picks. They need to go back to the draft and start building. And it'll be interesting once they actually hire a coach and see what's happening because after their exit interviews, it'll be interesting who's still there and who's not, especially with, you know, some of the, the confusion again this week uh, with the off-field stuff from, from Pendlebury. Yeah, there's a big confusion there, but he's cleared it up saying he wants to play uh, finish his career at Collingwood and not go somewhere else. I thought <laughs> when I first read it in the media, he was going to do a, a Sam Mitchell type thing and go to, and go to an interstate, interstate club and then and then coach from there. But he, he's open to coaching after that. But everyone knows um, that he's going to be a, a coach in the making and uh, with his football mind and uh, best of luck to him. But he wants to be a one-club player and uh, 
he won't be playing in any more finals. Yeah, he also has a, a basketball background, Pez. Just I'm not sure. Oh, don't tell that. me that. <laughs> don't tell me that. Uh, on that note, we'll move on to the Gold Coast Suns. Really disappointing season for them. Uh, they had seven wins, which, uh, you know, seven wins, 15 losses. Whereas uh, last year, that had five wins and a draw. So they had more wins than they did last year, but they actually finished lower on the ladder. Yeah, this is really disappointing for them because what they showed last year and what we've been talking about for the last couple of years, they were the team that was meant to make the big jump. Maybe not make finals, but they should have been finishing well above where they finished this year. My hashtag for them, Pez, is Took's a star. And I've got two aspects for that. Obviously, Took Miller, absolute gun, and he carried them to finish a lot higher than they would have if he wasn't there. But the second aspect is the star because the sun is actually a star, Pez. And in order to, if you were to travel to the to the sun, it would take 19 years to reach there. And I think oh. that's how long it's going to take the, the suns to climb up this ladder. <laughs> and they're coming into their 12th year, Pez, and they're, they're still a long way away. I mean, not 93 million miles away, but they're still a little while away. And they need to make that big jump that we all predicted from that young talent there. They're starting to sign players on, but... The big question that's going to come out is, is Stuart Jew the person to do that? Yeah, and that's a big talk around that is where is Alistair Clarkson going to go? And uh, there's been some talk there. Um, but they need a ruckman. They need a consistent ruckman throughout the year. Jared Witz was a bad injury. They've got King up forward um, and they've got Lacocious down back. They've got uh, Greenwood, who's a, who's a great tackler in the middle and puts, a, puts on the pressure with Took Miller and some other players there. So they've got things to work with. Um, we've got Raul, who had a disappointing season when he, when he played and was an absolute star when he first came in. But hopefully with another preseason, um, he can just stay injury-free for the rest of his career and then go from there. So my hashtag is uh, a little play on their song. I've changed their song a little bit. <laughs> so instead of saying we are the sons of the Gold Coast sky, we are the sons of the Gold Coast grave because they are well, digging the themselves back. a deep hole. The, the graveyard, is, I don't know. They, they just can't get over it, any team in Gold Coast, as we've spoken about in the past. So uh, this Gold Coast side, not not too great in 2021. A very, very disappointing and losing season. Yeah, very disappointing for them, Pez. And they did get hit with injuries, as you mentioned. Uh, as you said, they just need to get a consistent approach running there. They had a couple of, you know, really, really good, genuine wins. You know, they beat Sydney... Richmond, GWS, you know, all teams that have, you know, we're, we're fighting for a top eight squad and, you know, in Richmond not making it, the other two top eight sides. It's just they've got to build that consistency and that's only going to happen through another preseason, some consistency in terms of the coaching there and, you know, the message just getting across and, and them just working hard. You know, they've recruited these young players. They need to keep them. They need to work hard and get better and, and, and fingers crossed that it's not a long, long way away for, for them to actually make finals pairs. No, another seven years, you said. 19 years it takes to, uh, <laughs> to, to reach the sun there. But uh, the next side uh, we have to talk about is the Adelaide Crows, finishing and rounding out the bottom four of the competition. They also had seven wins, 15 losses, and uh, and a percentage of 81.99. Uh, so percentage isn't horrible, below 80, but it is there. They only had three wins last year and won a wooden spoon. To get seven wins this year is a big improvement. Three of those wins coming in the first four rounds. Yeah, and that's exactly where my hashtag is, Pez. Hashtag early crow. Because they, they got out of the blocks running. They were playing a high brand, high contested, physical brand of football, 
which they seem to, you know, keep out through most of the year. There was a couple of times that they sort of got, you know, thumped, but most of the time they um they developed a, a heap of youth. They were competitive in a lot of games. They had some absolute standouts, you know, in our man Ben Keys. You had Rory Laird there who had an unbelievable uh, season, as well as Jordan Butts. You know, he had a breakout campaign, locked up that number one defensive spot, and some of the other youth coming through. Schoenberg, uh, Scholl, Ned McHenry, Chase Jones, Jordan Butts, as I mentioned, and their big number two draft pick, Rolly Philthorpe. Yeah, he was probably the big shining light, the uh, 18-year-old who went down to Tasmania and kicked five uh, in one of the games. <laughs> his, and, de- uh, his, debut, like really, his debut. <laughs> yeah, really strong contested uh, t- contested marker and will be a, a really good forward in the AFL in years to come. Um, my hashtag for them is just hashtag insignificant crows because there's not really too much to say about them. We expected them to be poor and down the bottom of the ladder and they surprised us with a win against Geelong in round one. Um, and if Geelong had won that game source, they would have also finished minor premiers um, as well. So they didn't have to take it down to the last kick of the season. But that's just on another note. Yeah, thank, thanks for that, Pez. Uh, are, we doing, are we doing St Kilda this week or next week? I'm a little bit unsure. Uh, that would be next week, not in the bottom <laughs> six, unfortunately, this year. So uh, um, there we go with the Adelaide Crows. Um, the, the next side is Hawthorne. So... Alistair Clarkson finished off his uh, career at Hawthorne and hands over the reins to Sam Mitchell on seven wins, two draws. So Hawthorne involved in two draws. Um, that one against Richmond was was really, really poor in the last five goals, but that's another story as well. 85%. Uh, they had five wins last year, seven wins and two draws this year. So you what, take the two draws, add that another win. So maybe they had eight wins. Yeah, uh, my hashtag for this one, Pez, is really, really simple because we're going to be hearing about this for the next two or three years, depending on the success, is the succession plan. That's what we're going to be hearing. And to me, this season was hashtag unplanned because it seemed like they were going, they they actually rated themselves as as a contender, which we knew from that list that they didn't have a very talented list, a lot of aging stars. And, you know, on, on in hindsight, they end up having a, a little bit of a, a talent there, but they didn't seem to have any at the start of the year. And what happened is the moment that Alistair Clarkson sort of got the tap on the shoulder, he went out of tank mode and said, you know what, the big forks to, to Hawthorne and just started winning games. So it just mm. seems unplanned. They, it seems like they were planning to go to the draft. They were planning for a rebuild. They were saying that Clarkson, you know, he was the person for the job. He said he didn't want to be there. Then they had the succession plan with Sam Mitchell. They said he was going to be there. Now he's not there. Now he's not coaching. Just to me, it seems uh, unplanned and pretty unorganised and un-Hawthorne-like, which you hear a lot as well. Yeah, uh, you definitely do. Uh, but I've really enjoyed my music this week, Source, and uh, obviously been listening to Gold Coast Suns theme song. I was also listening to the Hawthorne theme song, and uh, I've made a little bit of a change there. Um, we're, we're a handball team at Hawthorne, um, and the reason they are, we've got the most handballs in the competition over the Western Bulldogs by 87 handballs. But the interesting stat for me is handball and kick differential with the team. They're the only team no more than 1,000 kicks than handballs. So every other team has more than 1,000 kicks than handballs, but Hawthorne, they don't have over 1,000 kicks than handballs. So maybe that's not uh, working too well for them. That's really interesting, Pez. Uh, stats man you are, and a bit of a musical man as well there, Pez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get the... Uh 
what is it? The Apple Music uh, <laughs> playing the club theme songs and getting a little bit of inspiration. Pez is doing a bit of a Hawthorne remix. We're a handball <laughs> team at Hawthorne. I like it, Pez. But they did have a couple of young players that sort of you know sort of uh, show that they have, have got some sort of future there. CJ, he came out of the ranks. You know, absolutely. You know, no one picked him to have uh, the way that he opened the season up. Yeah, Dylan Moore, Jacob Kaczynski, and uh, Lockie Bam- uh, Bramble. Sorry, they were all sort of you know the mid-year recruit. They all had sort of positive years, but there is uh, they need to hit that draft pairs and they need to hit it hard. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't mind. Um, I don't mind Mitch Lewis up forward. He's a developing uh, forward who could turn into, you know, a bona fide star of the AFL. You've got Warple who probably had a disappointing year. You had Sicily who sat out, uh, injured for for most of the year, um, and Will Day who was injured as well. Who's, as we know, one of my uh, favourites when I was watching <laughs> Will Day uh, uh, play a little bit. But um, I hope he gets on the park a little bit more next season and uh, will be one of Sam Mitchell's favourite players. I, I imagine. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to uh, watch this space for the next 12 months, Pez, because all the talking is going to be about how Sam Mitchell replicates the, one of the greatest coaches uh, in history and how he follows them up because he's not in a, a, a position that's going to allow him to be successful realistically, is it, Pez? Because they've you know they've sacked the coach, basically, and he's gone on a six-game uh, where, they, where they didn't lose within six games. Uh, they had two draws <laughs> within that and four, four wins. So it's one of those things that they're leaving that, like all succession plans. It'll be interesting to see if this one actually pans out. Yeah, well, he's got he's got probably, what, three three years of freedom where he can just go and it won't matter about his record uh, and he'll go from that because he is a, a Hawthorne legendary. And the good thing is he's had experience elsewhere as well. Um, Carlton, round out the bottom six of the 2021 season and could you believe it, eight wins, 14 losses, Percentage of 88%. They, they had a really uh, bad loss to Collingwood at the start of the year, and it really set the tone for them uh, throughout the year. We spoke about their All-Australians with uh, Harry Maguire, Sam Walsh, and Jacob Weider in that, that spine All-Australian uh, contention, but uh, just couldn't get the job done. To, to lose six more games than you win with that list uh, is just not good enough. Yeah, Pez, um, and three of the, those losses that you spoke about, then are those costly losses, all were to teams that we've already mentioned, Collingwood, Gold Coast, and North Melbourne. They win those three games, they're playing finals. And, you know, to me, that really sort of showcases exactly who Carlton are. Hashtag, show us your blue colours, because that's well, who they are. Yeah, well, if they did win those three games, source, they would have uh, had enough wins for finals, but not enough percentage. Well, if they actually put away those teams like we spoke about throughout the year, Pez, they would have, because... <laughs> they could have, all right. It's, no, it's, it's interesting, enough. and it's a, another watch this space, because now that Alistair Clarkson has come out and said, you know what, no, I'm not going to coach next year, I'm taking 12 months to, uh, you know, in the inverted commas, travel the world, in the COVID-driven world that he can't actually travel, they've said they're, they're, they're having those exit meetings with um, all the players, and Teague has no idea what he's doing, and to me, it's setting up for another season of disappointment next year for Carlton. Yeah, well, the, the coaching ranks there, interesting, with Clarko being announced that, you know, he's out of the race there because I'm sure that's why Carlton would have uh, put that forward because they wanted to, you know, land that big fish where they didn't. So my hashtag is blue feelings because these blue supporters, uh, they'll be feeling really blue and have been feeling really blue for many, many, many years. And uh, we just want to know when they are coming. Yeah, well, maybe maybe it is soon, Pez. They had a nice breakout year from Harry McKay. Um, you know, he won the won the Coleman with missing the last three games with fifty eight goals. But it, it's it for me. You know, we had a standout season from Sam Walsh. We, we said that they have you know three staples across their their midfield. 
their forward and and in their back line. It was their off-season recruits, Pez, and that really is interesting because has that put them back two or three years? Williams was a huge bust for him. You know, they they recruited him for this big busting midfielder, and for half of the season, and when he showed actual success, they played him in defence. Uh, you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what that what happens in terms of their development, but. For me, they overshot the mark again, where they thought they were ready for finals. They're coming, you know the 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 infamous sort of uh, slogan that they had from what two thousand and two, last time that they were near finals, I think it was. Um, but it's it, you know, they're setting themselves up for a, a failure next season as well. Yeah, well, that that recruit, yeah, was a bust. He he'd want to be able to turn himself around, and he, he didn't look he didn't look to have the fitness to play in the midfield that they recruited him for on the eight hundred thousand a year. So he needs to really. Uh, go away in that preseason, work hard and earn his money in that midfield because he was good in patches of games, but he's not consistent enough over the four quarters to be that $800,000 a year player. Um, if you're going to get paid that amount of money, you want a bigger impact from that player for your side. So that rounds out the bottom six. Uh, disappointing seasons for, for all of them. Um, slow improvements for some and really big downfalls for others. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary, Pez. There were some teams we expected, and even though we expected them to be down there, it still is disappointing from a supporter, you know, from some of the um, the output that they played across some of the some of the games. And then there are some of those teams that we we sort of surprised us. We both had Gold Coast creeping up the ladder. Um, I had Carlton sort of fighting for a top eight squad, um, you know, and both teams that that sort of let us down there, Pez, <laughs> as well as their supporters. Yeah, I had Gold Coast fighting for the eight as well, and uh, they're down there in the bottom three. So. Um Really disappointing, and injuries do play a part in in some of these teams. But you look at the, you know, the Carltons and the Hawthorns and the the Collingwoods. You you want to expect a little bit of a higher standard there, but there has to be teams in the bottom six, and and these are the teams from this year, and they'll be working really hard to to get a higher position on the ladder. And there's going to be big expectations from Carlton, not so much big expectations from any of the other five clubs that we spoke about tonight. Maybe Gold Coast if they get some of those those players back from injury and they have a good preseason because they need to start hitting that mark soon. Otherwise, I think there's not pressure on the club, but there's pressure on Stuart Jew. Oh, there is pressure on on Stuart Jew there, yeah, but um, there. yeah, Carl- Carlton are expected to to continue to go up, and uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that list. And we've got Sam Walsh, McKay, and uh, Weedering, who could be all Australians, and we'll go from there. But um, there's the first six source in our show next week. We'll uh, we'll do the next six, and uh, there'll be two teams that have been eliminated from the finals, so a, a short-lived final series. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really good to start talking about Essendon again. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, there's okay. the early dig for the Essendon fans. Just kidding. I'll be happy if either of the teams lose. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pez. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week. But also make sure you tune in. Um, check our our social media feeds as well as your podcast providers for our Friday show. Talk us through our fans. What's happening Friday, Pez? Yeah, at behind the bound on Twitter. Uh, jump on board. We've got. Um, uh, we had massive rounds for our, for our cheeky punt source, so we're uh, continuing to, to make profit there, which is amazing. Uh, and we will speak about the end of the season and the finals matchups for this round. So really big stuff happening on Friday. As well as that, Pez, we'll look at who made the final 22 All-Australian squad. We might talk about snubs. <laughs> then generally, uh, someone's going to be unhappy. As well as a massive preview for a huge and probably one of the closest and open final races that we'll see in a, in a little while, Pez. Yeah, and we're going to have a new premiere in uh, 2021. So uh, really interesting. So we'll, we'll see 
see you back there on, on Friday at Behind the Bound on Twitter. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time, guys.